the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Maybe you, Anthony Weiner, but this is a song that would never make the Curtis Lee cut. That's for sure. Where do you find these songs from? I mean, Anthony, does this uh, give you any kick? I'm trying to remember who this is. I tell you what it is. It sucks. That's what it is. Oh, my God. Oh, the former Kiss Ace Freely, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, former, right? Uh, yeah, was yeah. this when they put out the four individual solo albums? Yeah, this must have been. Yeah, that. you could go to the last concerts in Madison Square Garden for Kiss, December 1st and 2nd. Uh, we got somebody here who's part of the Kiss Army. By the way, I, that was my first show. It was? Yeah. What, what? I guess it was The Garden. I saw Kiss at The Garden. Yeah, I think I saw Kiss at the Garden was like the first so you concert were, I went to. So you were in the, the Kiss Army? You want to know that? Not only that, this is embarrassing. In order to impress, I think her name was Damaris. Damaris Cruz, I want to say, at Junior High School 51. I went, I used to wear my hair really long, and I would wear headbands. I, um, I went into Junior High School 51, William Alexander, on Fifth Avenue in Park Slope, dressed as Gene Simmons. Not dressed as Gene Simmons, but Gene Simmons' makeup. Um, he is, yeah, he's the guy who bought out... Yeah, I was into Kiss big time. Man. Yeah. I can never figure out how they could sell so many albums, have packed concerts everywhere, and get almost no radio play. No radio play. Well, they got some radio play. They had a ballad. Maybe we can tee it up for They had a ballad called Beth, which broke through. They had uh, they had a couple of songs. What is that? Um, well, now, the, the most... Incredible. Detroit Rock City, I That's think. That's right, broke Detroit through. Rock City, right? And then there was the other one who was their mainstream top forty hit. Uh, it'll come to me momentarily, but I don't know if you're aware that Anthony Weiner, that uh, the uh, Queen of International Women's Day here at WABC, that just passed. And by the way, man, some sore feelings uh, from two of the ends. Naomi, mother of Sid Rosenberg, she wasn't included yeah. on the full page ad, and my wife Nancy. But anyway, put that yeah. aside. Put that aside. Uh, Cindy Adams was the Grand Marshalette or whatever you call it. You know, she did an interview with Gene Simmons recently. Is that true? Yeah, I played it back. It was the most incredible interview because you know how Gene Simmons is, right? Cindy Adams did not miss a beat with him. Well, she, he gave a famous interview that went horribly wrong to the woman from Fresh Air. You know that NPR host, uh, what is her name, Fresh Air? And he was so irascible and so ornery. He's a tough guy to interview, but she did a good job. Oh, you should go and uh, check out the podcast, ladies I and will. gentlemen, I the will. old uh, uh, Cindy Adams podcast. Uh, in fact, uh, get Kevin. Uh, make him do some work as our weekend producer. Find out what date that was in which she had a full interview with Gene Simmons. of all, And, you know, he's going off, right? You know, he's yeah. not holding back at all. Cindy Adams is not hesitating. She's mixing it up with him. She's commenting about him. She's laughing when appropriate. She's condemning when appropriate. That was one of the best interviews I ever heard here at WABC because you would never expect the two to be in the same format. Was Gene Simmons another Queens guy? I believe so. I think he was. I I believe so. I'm not totally sure because you were in the Kiss Army and I certainly was not. What is the date there, Kevin Drosh? It was July 31st, 2022. Great interview. So it's listed July 31st. Of 2022, you go to WABCRadio.com. It's a great interview. I I played it now twice. Yeah. You know, as I was talking about, this is the last go-round for KISS, December 1st, December 2nd, their last uh, concert before they hang up their all their makeup, their attire, their 40 pounds of body armor that they wear in those performances. Now, they went through a period where they took off the makeup. Um they went through a period where they broke. They're not all there. I mean, in the literal sense. You're right. I, they're not all there. <laughs> I think, you know, the original Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Freely, and Peter Chris. I get the feeling one of them, not even an Ace Freely, might have passed. I, I don't want to put anyone in their grave prematurely, but 
Um, but how, yeah. would you, how would you know? They're all in makeup. They're all in garb. <laughs> sure, it's sort of like point. you get somebody else yeah. to just look like a previous member of KISS, and that's all you need. Yeah. And then the fire, right, and all the pyrotechnics, uh, they go along with that concert. But I was always amazed. Let's face it. They didn't get the most radio play, and yet, guarantee, in a concert coming to your area, it could be in the middle of Davenport, Iowa, they would pack out the but that, But that was true of that era. You know, those hard rock bands, the Zeppelins, the the Black Sabbaths, you would, you know, here it would be on WNEWFM, yeah, right? Yeah. That would probably be where it would be. And sometimes they had shows late at night that they'd have them on. But radio play, it was, it, it, and that was everything then, you would think. If it didn't get played on the radio, there was not some device on your desk you can go look up some obscure YouTube page. 50 years. Yeah. 50 years. Notice, most of these groups now are beginning to crest. 50 years they're talking about hanging it up. Uh, although my, one of my all-time favorites, Chaka Khan out of Chicago. Man, she she is the diva of all divas. She's battling everybody. She's battling Mary J. Blige. Yeah. She's battling Mariah Carey. She's battling Adele. Say, what are you talking that's no, no. That's new Jack. This is old school. Yeah, old school. I love that. Now, but is 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 was Rufus the band or is Rufus a person? Rufus and Chaka Khan. Mm, I think Rufus was the band. Yeah. And now, uh, hey, look, uh, I, I stand to be corrected here. I should know that. But Chaka Khan, by the way, was a fan of somebody you're not uh, a fan of, nor am I. Screwy Louis Farrakhan. Every year he'd have his Savior's Day gathering at McCormick Plaza in Chicago because that's their base. And they bring in all these celebrities, you know, who are sickle fans of the Nation of Islam. Chaka Khan would always be there. Ice Cube, Ice T, Ice Tray, Vanilla Ice, all the ices, <laughs> Snoop Dogg, right? You'd say, don't tell me you're going to whip out a blunt and smoke it here at this parliament. But anyway, the point being is Chaka Khan has stood the test of time. And I want to congratulate you, Anthony Weiner, because you are now approaching uh, your 52nd broadcast here at WABC. It'll make a year since you've been on the air. Let me applaud you. Well, for, thank for you very much. Cut. And I have done it. took me one year to do 52 episodes. I just checked. It took you three and a half weeks to do your last 52 <laughs> episodes. And boy, am I pissed. I'm not pissed at you. I'm not pissed yeah. at anybody here at WABC. That's usually in the norm for me. But I am pissed at daylight savings time in a big way. I want to eliminate it for one reason, one reason alone. It has nothing to do with does it help the crops grow, does it lead to more accidents, more heart attacks, more strokes. No, it's taken an hour from me in just a few hours uh, when I come back for the overnight, uh, the best side of the other side of midnight, right, from 12 midnight to 6, exactly at 2 o'clock. That's when it kicks in, and yeah. it goes from two to four. I lose an hour. Yeah, that that is hard. But what do you? I have separation anxiety. But more important, I mean, I don't think it's appropriate this protest that you have set up outside the studio tomorrow afternoon. Absolutely, throwing you know throwing things up at the studio window because you no, know. no, because WABC, which used to be always broadcasting, Curtis, you've come up with a new acronym. Now it's now it's anybody but Curtis on Sunday. Anybody Sundays. but Curtis. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's talk about that. We got the gold brick out there who's playing golf on the Senior Citizens Tour. That's Andrew Giuliani. He's on the Senior Citizens Tour. Yeah. I think he's down in Mar-a-Lago playing with the Senior Citizen, former President uh, Donald Trump. So he's deciding, well, I'm not going to starve until March 26th. Yeah, this is technically four. a holdout. If this was sports, this would be a holdout. Right. For golf, right? He's slicing to the right. He's hooking to the right. Who cares? It's Michigan. And then Laura Kern, who's always got, she got her first show under her belt yep. last Sunday. And guess who she has on tomorrow at 4 o'clock? The only candidate so far willing to take on Joe Biden in the Democratic primary. Yep. A lot of people say, well, you know, she's holistic, homeopathic, a little freaky deaky. Well, what is her name again? I never trust anybody Marianne, with three names. Marianne Williamson. Yeah, I never trust anybody with three who's names. Who's arguing that we need a younger generation of leader, and she's 71 years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's young. That's young compared to Joe Biden. Oh, my God. And then, of course, uh, we have Ernie Anastas, who I got to tell you, he must be colorblind. Because every time he comes in here, the mix of the colors that he wears, it's like a kaleidoscope. I got it. You... They, I, you, if you are one who does not like Ernie and S, you are a you are a group of one. No, no, I didn't that say I didn't like him. Yeah, and he he that he wears these bright colors is what you're referring to. No, he looks like a, he looks like he went to a flea market and it attacked him with the strangest color coordination. But and always a smile like Ernie Banks. Remember the sunshine true. kid from the totally Chicago true. Cubs. Let's play too. Yep, totally. I, me, I got the frown on all the time. He's got this smile. It's like ammonia and bleach. 
The guy, it could be the worst thing in your life. Somehow, Ernie Anastas will find a positive slice out but of it. But by the way, isn't that the perfect antidote? That n- there's no negative, more dour group than people on AM radio. Oh, absolutely. Everyone thinks the sky is falling. That's why you're so successful, because you lighten it up a little bit. Oh, the sky is falling. This is the worst thing ever. I can listen to a couple hours of, of Greg Kelly, and I tell you, I'm like, oh, God. I'm, I'm like, it's the end. It's I wanna, like, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm the Viking guy in January 6th, right? You know, I'm the, I, I'm Jesus Christ's return. This guy is like, Jesus Christ. Look at him. They guided him into the, the Senate chambers there. He's the Mashiach. The Mashiach. What a screwball nut job that guy is. But anyway, the point is, you're right. He gives me a headache. And a lot of times I turn it off and I listen to electronic dance music. I can't listen to all of that stuff. It gives me a freaking headache because I got to tell you, Anthony, a lot of it I can repeat. Next show is going to repeat exactly what they heard on this show. And it's like carbon copy. Boom, 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 boom. But now, oh, this is a good one. Your guy, Mayor Eric Adams, who is up in Somos this afternoon in Albany with all the uh, Latino legislators. By the way, many of them uh, we're going to talk about later who are extremely progressive, extremely liberal, and consider themselves Democratic Socialists of America. He's up there. He's at a conference. And he has decided to engage uh, Senator Rick Scott of Florida who is the perfect poster child for what a white guy should look like. You know, tall, gaunt. Uh, you say, you live in Florida. You think you get a, totally, any, totally. like, tan on you or whatever. And he has decided to take Mayor Eric Adams on over Eric Adams, deciding to uh, enroll some of the migrants who are here to go up to Sullivan County, which is part of your legacy, Route 17, right, the short line bus, up to the Jewish Himalayas, the Catskills, to get a junior college education at taxpayers' expense. And I got to tell you, even Eric Adams' supporters are like, they're suffering vertical here. They're saying, wait a second, I thought the end was full. We're enticing them with college education? Help help me on this, Anthony. I can't. I can't help you with this one. (laughs) This one I don't understand. Is it? Now, okay. First of all, let's just let's just put out there these people are here. We're trying to, in some way, integrate them while they're waiting to have their hearing on their asylum claim. I get it. But the last thing we should be doing is making some cornucopia benefits for them. You know, despite what a lot of people who call into the station think, these people are not eligible for Social Security. They're not eligible for, 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 for Medicare and Medicaid. They're not eligible for Obamacare. We obviously provide them help if they want to feed their kids and things like that, and they have a right to housing. But starting to say, I'm going to send them to college or trade school and teach them how to repair refrigerators or whatever it is, it makes no sense. I really am getting whiplash now. Yeah, definitely. I I call it vertigo because one minute he said, and you know what he is? Uh, It used to be the tag for Mario Cuomo, Hamlet on the Hudson. You know how Mario would give some great speeches sometimes? He hit all the marks and you say, "Yeah, yeah, man, that's solid. But he would never pull the trigger. He would go on to something else. And you'd say, Mario, Mario, and he'd be on to another. It is the same thing with Eric Adams. He will say all the right things at times. And then all of a sudden, just at a point where you say, okay, that's common sense. That that has nothing to do with party affiliation. The inn is closed. It's going to ultimately cost us $4 billion because we see the Biden administration is not really contributing anything. Hochul, no. Uh, Schumer, no. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, no. And now we're going to give them a free college education. It's sort of like, yeah, where, you know, one where the, are you going? So with here, this? here's my my here's what I think is going on with him. I think he's an iconoclast. I think he doesn't. Wait, 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 hold on, this is a five dollar word, multisyllabic. This is, this is what people tune in for in this show. They exactly. want to they want to hear you do one syllable guttural grunts and me do. The well, what the hell does that mean? It means that he likes to be position himself. Contrary to what uh, the conventional a contrarian, is. like a Frank contrarian, Marano. perhaps right. That, you know, that's Frank Morano at WABC. He is a contrarian on everything. I don't know. I think that he is standing still, and we're contrarying him. But that's oh, okay, a whole other conversation. Right. Okay, now I, I think, understand that. I understand. But I that. think so that when he feels that all right, people are saying all right, he is he being the mayor is an anti-immigrant, whatever. I think what he does. Oh yeah, you think you know me? Here I go. And I respect that to some degree. I don't think you should ever get locked into one ideological position. You're the mayor of the city of New York. You should try to adapt to new facts on the ground. I get it. But this one I really don't understand. This one does look a lot like 
providing something that another city might not provide that might be the difference someone getting on a bus from El Paso and oh, coming to yeah. New York or going to Chicago. Oh, yeah. And by the way, he's claiming that there are cities who are in contact with City Hall who want to take some of the migrants. And I'm sort of like wondering, is it Raj Baraka in Newark? Is it Noam Layden's best friend that he gives cover for? Steve Fulop in Jersey City, graduate of Goldmine Sachs, who thinks he's going to be the next governor of the state of New Jersey over my dead body. Is it Sano there in Yonkers, who's from a family of like 18 kids that didn't believe in birth control? But he decided the only way to get elected now is I got to become a Democrat. I mean, everyone, <laughs> the rest of them are like Republicans. He, the mayor, Sano, hasn't said I'll take some. No, but I want to tell you, there are a lot of Republicans around the middle of the country who represent agriculture districts yes. who really who understand the relationship between immigration and their their bread and butter. So, so you know, listen, we've talked about this before on the show. Immigration used to be a fairly bipartisan kind of thing. You always had fringe left and fringe right. One fringe that said let everyone in under every circumstance and the other one being kind of, you know, I'm an ideologue saying don't let anybody in. But there has been a pretty important middle in the country that understands the economic value. The problem is that right now the mayor, I think the mayor needs to kind of have a more consistent philosophical approach to this, which should be we are a pro-immigrant city. We will deal with whatever you throw it our way. We'll manage it, but we need your help, dollars and cents. And we're not sending them to Sullivan County and the Catskills. You're already scaring uh, Naomi, the mother of uh, Sid Rosenberg, <laughs> who lives up today. Remember, you have the Irish Alps. This is the Borscht Belt. Where, why would you uh, say And the Jewish Himalayas, they're all, they're all getting scared. Yeah. But how about just send them to Kingsborough Community College, and then everyone in Manhattan Beach will get scared. Yeah. You know, Bronx Community College, the old NYU campus up there off uh, Burnside Avenue. They used to have that walk of fame, remember, as you'd look over at the Harlem River. Come on. He's trying to, uh, I guess, what can we say, outsource the migrants to other parts of but, New York well, State in a very if, unique way. And if way. that works, if we're going to spread them around the state, more power to you. Yeah, but, but I'm not sure this is the way to no do it. There's no hotels where they can bust tables and do Simon Says and develop the craft <laughs> maybe as a comedian. No more Concord, Gross, and just Browns. Yeah. Well, they're, they're going to be getting up there just in time for Pesach. They're, oh. they're, they'll be with a lot of my launcemen. But up next, you got to explain this to me, Anthony Weiner. Here it is. We have the police commissioner. At war with uh, Juanita Holmes, who could have been the police commissioner. But ultimately, the bottom line is we don't have enough police officers, and they continue their exodus. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do to keep what we got and try to get new recruits to replace those that normally go on 20 years retirement with a full boat? Move to Port St. Lucie if they're Met fans or Tampa, St. Petersburg, if they're Yankee fans right here on Love versus Right. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Sliwa on WABC. <laughs> Versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. You know, I didn't hear that played uh, during International Women's Day here at WABC with Cindy Adams as we call her the Grand Marshalette. Yep. Grand Marshalette. I saw a whole panoply of women. Uh, I did not see Naomi, the mother of Sid, who has the most following of anybody here at WABC of all the women. And my wife, Nancy, who does the Animal Welfare Hour. I didn't see. So the two ends were eliminated, but I saw Tish, the sanitation commissioner, passed me the Grey Pool poem. Not necessarily doing a stellar job. Kavanaugh, the embattled fire commissioner. But I did not see Sewell because the police commissioner was at odds with a woman who might have become the police commissioner, who was the highest ranking uh, uh, internal woman in the chain of command uh, in the old NYPD that Eric Adams inherited, Juanita Holmes. She's taking over probation now, right? Right, but I I, I know her over the years. I've seen her out uh, when she actually is being in a car, you know, and tooling around, hey, Curtis, you know, stop, talk. Very nice woman. Don't know what her ability was as an administrator. But remember, she was chief of patrol. She was passed over for for Sewell, right? Right, and then all of a sudden they made a chief of patrol, which is a very esteemed position, Knocked her back down to chief of training at uh, 
College Point, the academy. And then what she did was, in lieu of what we're looking at in today's newspapers, uh, low recruitment levels, was lowering the physical standards, saying you don't have to pass a mile-and-a-half run at a certain time. I don't know what it was. And uh, Sewell was upset with that. But what really caused these two women to have their estrogen, like, flying in different directions is that Juanita Holmes brings in Cardi B, who's doing community service. I guess it was Women's Day at the police academy. A lot of uh, young women recruits. And she comes in, and actually a lot of them get into a frenzy. You know, they're taking selfies. Uh, you know, they're right. bombing. The, and Cardi B was pleasant. You yeah. know, she wasn't dropping the F-bomb like she typically does. She came in. She came out. He got him a lot of attention. But apparently Keyshawn Sewell, the police uh, commissioner, was all buttoned up. You can always see it. She's all but right. She never, ever relaxes or lets her hair down. But Juanita Holmes was there sitting with Cardi B interviewing her. You know, I'm no Cardi B fan. I'm no rapper fan. But I, I didn't really see the harm in that. But Keyshawn Sewell said, that's it. Uh, Juanita Holmes has got to go. Eric Adams, he's got a tough time because he, he's... He's uh, anointed himself the hip-hop mayor. He surrounds himself with all these hip-hop guys, many of whom have been to jail and are out on parole. This was a tough one. But in fairness to him also, though, another element of this, no mayor in my memory has surrounded himself with as many high-powered women as he has. I think three of his deputy mayors, he's got a police commissioner, now he has a head of probation. I think he kind of prides himself for that, justifiably so. But you know the thing about Sewell is she doesn't seem to be getting more New York with the days. You know what I'm saying? This was kind of, this Cardi B thing was kind of a New York kind of story. You know, you're not going to have that at the San Francisco or the Chicago Police Department. It's 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 basically a very New York thing to do. I thought there was no harm to it. I thought it was a very kind of, I thought it was fine. Um, I thought she was well-behaved. I thought there was some, when I first saw the story, I'm like, I bet you she went off and did some profane thing. Uh, but yeah, but he's mediated this dispute. By now putting putting her in charge of probation, which is an important job. But I think it all comes down to when you're someone who comes in, who who jumps over, you're now second in charge. That's a tension that's going to emerge. And I think that she realized that this woman was basically the police commissioner in waiting. If if it's not Banks, who is still looming out there as another another figure in our law enforcement. Yeah, but the bigger problem that they have isn't the internal battles of whether a Cardi B should come in or not. And remember, this is all at a time in which uh, Eric Adams went and basically uh, paid homage to Biggie Smalls' shrine in Bed-Stuy. We've had Hakeem Jeffries, might be the future speaker, quoting from Biggie uh, Smalls, who I find a total degenerate having sold crack to pregnant mothers in the projects. But put that aside. She takes a stand, Sewell. It obviously causes tension with another high-profile woman in the police department. Okay, she's now in charge of probation, so they're able to separate them. But again, this distracts from the bigger problem. Many men and women who have dedicated their lives to being police officers in New York waited the first five years where you really don't make much money. Oftentimes, you got to live at home with mom and dad. Then after five years, it starts to get better. You might be able to recruit, uh, excuse me, retire after 20 years with a half boat uh, and then be able to work another job, maybe even be out by the time you're 42, 43. So there are a lot of positives also to the job, but it's the back end. But there are a lot of men and women who are not waiting for the back end any morning. They're opting out, and I'm looking at the numbers, uh, Anthony. When we're at 40,000, that's a premium number. That gives you a lot of flexibility to do a lot of things. We're now getting down to about 33,500. It's cresting down. It's not leveling out. Uh, Juanita Holmes, from a pragmatic point of view, said, hey, if we're going to meet our recruitment goals, we got to lower the standards. Sewell said, no, we're not lowering our standards. Now, what do you do? Because in another year, there's not going to be any money. I mean, we're going to be in dire fiscal straits, New York State, New York City, because there's no more stimulus money. There's nothing more coming from Washington. So if you were an advisor or consigliere or the mayor yourself, knowing that a year down the line, it doesn't matter, there won't be the money that you have now. What do you start to do to, at least if nothing more, hold the line? Well, uh, first of all, let's keep this in context. Thirty-some-odd thousand officers, we're talking about a couple of hundred that are resigning, and a lot of them that are resigning are going to other police departments. We have a problem throughout city government 
of vacancies. This is a very, very strong job market right now. Thank you, Joe Biden. So you do, these are, you know, there are problems here. Now, I believe that the mayor, going into his reelection that's coming up in the not-too-distant future, is going to propose a, an increase in budgets to hire more police officers. I think he's going to realize that he can't, that the way to fight crime is the way Dinkins and Giuliani did it, which was getting more boots on the ground. I think that that may be involved. A lot of these stats are coming out now because the PBA wants higher wages for their workers. I think that's appropriate. I think they should get paid more. Right now, we are a training ground for suburban police departments, but we always have been. So I think that the solution here is to hire more police officers, also hire more more homeless, you know, people working on homelessness, hire more people who are working at, the, at our prisons, at our jails, rather. I think that's the answer here. But... It, the mayor has to show the cojones to do this because he's got to fight with his left in order to do it. And he's got to fight with his uh, namesake, Adams, who is not related to him, but went to the same high school, Bayside High School in Queens. The speaker of the city council, who has veered left. We're going to be talking about that later on in the show as Jacobs, the New York State Party chairman of the Democrats, has thrown down the gauntlet to AOC and all the Democrat socialists of America. Yeah, I wonder how long that's going to last. But up next, Anthony Weiner, if your son were of age and all of a sudden all his buddies and his friends from school said, Hey, spring break, Cancun, Acapulco. Come on, Daddy. Come on, Daddy. Please, please, let me go. Please, let me go, Daddy. When we come back, or are you going to be fearful that Lindsey Graham may be dropping a cruise <laughs> missile on Cancun or Acapulco? we got to get those narco-terrorists, and we got to do it now. All of it here at WABC. If you need any of your podcasts, especially of Anthony uh, Weiner, is like a podcast machine here. Just go to WABCRadio.com. That's WABCRadio.com. Drop location, drop a op, man. This ain't for them in the house. This for clock, you. And don't talk down on tridges. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Wait a second. This is a spring break song. What are you, dysfunctional? What the hell is this? What is this, Satan? The evil seed of Satan? My God. So let me let me get back on track here because this uh, makes me want to projectile vomit, this song. Uh, what is this, Marilyn Manson? Well, what was that? God. What was that? Good grief. You know, maybe Marilyn Manson can do drag queen hour uh, reading, you know, for the little kiddie poos at a local library near you. I mean, man. Anyway, let's stay focused here. I asked you a question before the break. I'm sure Anthony, who's my oldest at 19, and soon Carter, who's 13, and Hunter, who just became 12. By the way, Hunter, now now he's studying his Talmud and his Torah. They're going to let me up <laughs> at the Beamer. Grief. They're going to let me up at the Beamer for Hunter because he's going to reform synagogue. Before yeah. when they went to conservative synagogue, no room for you, Gentile, right. at the Beamer. Those but places if, are so reformed, they're not even open Saturday. That's Saturday. Exactly, exactly. So here it is. Your son comes up to you. He's of age. Dad, it's... It's spring break. Want to go to Cancun? Want to go? Hey, I'm going to go see the Mayan temple. Show you our kid. Uh, Dad, can I go? There's a great package. It's not that expensive. You know, the class, they're putting together a class trip so we can enjoy. You know, like Ted Cruz. Remember when Ted Cruz fled Texas when it was frozen down? There was no electrical grid. Oh, I got to join my family in Mexico for spring break. What would you say to him? With all of the news headlines that has us on the cusp of adding Mexico to the Quinella, the axis of evil, you know, we have Red China, we have Russia, we have North Korea, we have Iran, and now we'll have Mexico. Yeah, you know, here's what I love about this issue. I'm, I listen to 77 WBC, the most powerful radio station in the nation. We have a collection of hosts that are just amazing. And listening to them, including our mutual friend Sid, he's like, Joe Biden can't control the border. These Americans are killed. They're in Mexico. 
They crossed over the border into Mexico, yes. into a neighborhood you should not be crossing into. I Look, I don't wish anyone harm. Of course not. But making this some kind of an attack, hey, there are parts of the United States, I'm looking at you, Chicago, that if you're coming in as a tourist from Mexico, you might want to stay away from. I mean, this is just, and now people are saying, well, let's bomb them. Why don't we, like, attack them? There are, there are sovereign nation across the world. Is, is this what we're going to start doing now? We're going to start sending, sending, like you said it, only, uh, you're not that far from what the proposals are right now. Saying, let's go bomb these meth labs. Oh, and then we're going to go to the Mexicans and say, hey, would you help us out with this Remain in Mexico policy now that we bombed your country? Yeah, they're, they're, these cartels run rampant in big portions of Mexico and a lot of other Latin American countries. It is a huge problem. If we're going to go try to solve that problem for them, if I were the United States of America, I would secure our border as best we can, deal with the, the demand. There's a reason. You know why Mexico is one of the biggest, uh, most profitable centers for selling drugs? Is because we're the best market for these drugs. We're consuming them in ungodly amounts. Let's start to look at a little bit on the demand side here as well. But this is crazy. And Lindsey Graham, good grief. Has there ever been a country he didn't want to bomb? Now? No, he wanted to bomb everybody. Remember, Gaddafi, right? Him and John McCain and Joe Lieberman went to meet with the Muslim Brotherhood. With the Muslim Brotherhood, right? You think maybe it would have been better to have Muammar Gaddafi? He gave up his nuclear weapons to Bush 43. And what did he get at 22 up his Hershey Highway from some Libyan guy wearing a New York Yankee cap? See, you're happy he wasn't wearing a New York Met cap at that time. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, this guy's a warmonger. Look at his supplier contributions. Where are they coming from, huh? They're coming from General Dynamics. They're coming from Blackstone, as Eisenhower warned us, and leaving the White House, the military-industrial complex. They need war. Remember, a month ago, Gordon Chang had us on the cusp of going to war for the freaking balloon over South Carolina. This is an act of yeah. war. And then what, Jack, uh, Jack, uh, what the hell is his name? Keene. You know, right out of central casting, General Jack Keene. This is an outrage. We need to get them. Then all of a sudden, we like, we relax. Okay, then we went back to the Ukraine and Russia, and we started thinking about the mad guy behind the kimchi curtain in North Korea. Then we're thinking about the Ayatollahs, and we see that they're copping a squat now with the Saudis and the Red Chinese and negotiating some kind of peace deal with them. So we need war. So who do we look at? Cheech and Chong crossing the border up in smoke. Anthony, when were you born? What year? 1964. Okay, so you were four years old, and I'm watching the TV, and I'm 14. And Richard Nixon was elected president of the United States, unexpectedly. I mean, remember, you won't have Richard Nixon to kick around anymore. He comes back. He announces a war on drugs with Mexico because of all the marijuana and heroin coming across the border. The DEA imposes a lockdown at the border. He gives Elvis the biggest drug user in the country, a DEA badge. Boy, that made us all feel yeah, comfortable, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was the most ridiculous thing. He he sends in helicopters with pesticides to destroy the Michoacan crop, Acapulco gold. It did nothing. All it did was spur even more drugs because, as you pointed out, because Americans always like to blame somebody else. We all like to play the victim role. We create the demand. We create the demand. We have an insatiable appetite to have drugs, legal and illegal. And a lot of Americans just love to get stoned. So if you believe in capitalism, laissez-faire capitalism, hey, where is uh, the demand coming from? New York, throughout America, even into small-town America. And there are more than happy criminal enterprises out there to supply the demand. And if it is in Mexico... It'll then move to the jungles of Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and they'll bring it in in the belly of ships. And you've seen the ships come in through uh, the Straits of the Verrazano, the Kilvan Coley, Arthur Cole. It's like hundreds of those cargo containers before they get to the port of Newark and Elizabeth. You can't check every one of those containers, maybe one out of 50, a spec check. They're going to keep bringing the drugs in here because there is a demand. Right. And the president of Mexico is right. He said, hey, you're not, you're not helping us here. Your demand is skyrocketing. Although he did say they didn't manufacture any fentanyl in Mexico. But I got to tell you a story. Recently, I sat with a guy who wants to be president, if not this time around in the future, first Latino president, Suarez from Miami, Mr. Bitcoin, Mr. Republican. He's sitting in a meeting with us. I said, uh, how's your drug situation in Miami, right? Duh. 
uh, we don't really have a drug situation anymore. Well, what about fentanyl? We don't have a fentanyl problem. That's the mayor of Miami. Yeah. So the point being is we got to understand we're creating. We have an insatiable appetite and let's for remember, drugs. And let's remember when you are the president of Mexico what you want. You want there to be as little violence and trauma as possible around the drug trade, and you're trying to crack down on it as best that you can. But you are very often in a corrupt but convenient relationship with the cartels. Don't kill civilians. You can kill each other as much as you want. That's why, you know, when they had this thing with the four Americans, the first thing the cartel did was say, here, take some guys. We know we screwed this one up. And on the other side of the coin, on the other side of the coin, when we say to them, can you do things like remain in Mexico? Can you do this policy? They need to agree to that. And so we need to go to them and say, hey, could you cooperate with us on this? Do you think they're going to cooperate with us if we're bombing their country? I could just see General Lindsey Graham. We did it before. Let's send the Marines to Veracruz. We come in on the East Coast. Then we go right through TJ, Ensenada. We take over the Baja. We jump to the mainland. All of these resort areas that were built for Americans. Right. We will take them over. They will be our sanctuaries. We'll be in the coast. They'll be in the heartland. And we'll start a guerrilla war. Wait, we've done that before. <laughs> you've heard of Grenada? <laughs> uh, this is maybe the dumbest thing that well, I've ever how about heard. Well, how about, you know, and, and I will say this. There is not a, a tourist beach destination for United States citizens in the world that if you go elsewhere in that country, you're going to be in some trouble. Right. Jamaica is the same way. You know, you can go to fancy parts of Mexico where you're completely safe. You go to other parts of Mexico, you're like these people that, that unfortunately lost their lives. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. And, you know, we, we react when these things hit the newspapers. But there are thousands of people dying in Mexico all the time in these drug wars. Well, yesterday, uh, James Golden, who always uh, thinks he's pretentious, he's omnipotent, he knows everything, like every talk show host and talk radio, you know, they, 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 they can't accept any constructive criticism. He comes on the air. Anthony, his board operator is Diego. Yeah. His home country is Mexico, his country of origin. He's legal here. But I could see he was schwitzing because here's James Golden who said, you cannot travel any roads in Mexico safely. It is a danger. I, I jumped in and I said, James, you realize there are 250 million trips that Americans make in four wheels in and out of Mexico every year. They're our number two trading partner, our number one tourist destination. Are you out of your mind? And, and by the way, it is one of Donald Trump's signature accomplishments was reducing the barriers to yes. people going back and forth between Canada and, the, and Mexico and the United States. Yeah. And, and, and another thing to keep in mind, you know, I keep hearing these issues get conflated. When people come in with fentanyl, which are very small, they're 30 milligram pills. They're not coming in in someone's backpack crossing a river. They're coming in in trucks. They're coming in in cars. And they're coming in U.S. citizens are carrying. That's a good business Not only that, NAFTA, right? Wall Street Journal loved NAFTA, right? Capitalists loved NAFTA because of North American Free Trade Association. It used to be, because when I was at the border there, you would watch it at Nuevo Laredo, which is the Mexican side, Laredo side. That's where the most trucks come across, and they're lined up for miles. used to be that a Mexican... Driving the truck would have to uncouple the tractor trailer on the American side and wait for an American teamster driver to take it the rest of the way. And sometimes Border Patrol would check the uh, cargo container. Most times they just couldn't. It's overwhelming. Now, because of NAFTA, the Mexican driver is ready to take it all the way. Once they get the green light, you know, uh, by immigration and through uh, the the checkpoint, uh, Charlie, they're on their way. What are you going to do? Check every well, t- cargo truck and So do you remember in 2018 we had a government shutdown because Donald Trump wanted to build a wall? Yeah. The deal that they worked out was, all right, we're going to give you some money to build a wall. But we, what would we? What the other side wanted is we want money to put in these big machines that are like x-ray machines that cars and trucks drive through. That money in the Trump and now in Biden, they still have not installed that stuff. There is technology to be able. What it does is it hits it basically with radar waves. Anything that seems that that it's the wrong consistency in the side of the of the truck, in the panel of the truck, it beeps. Someone gets it kind of like an x-ray technician. They pull it aside. There are ways for us to be able to solve these problems. But if we don't realize that it's it's two different things, 
People coming in who are crossing from five countries to get over the border because they're trying to get a better life or they want to declare asylum or whatever it is. And the drug guys are different things. And we have to learn that means two different ways to fight these things. But one thing's for sure, we bomb Mexico. They're going to say, to heck with you guys. We're not going to deal with you. Not only that, more more migrants are going to flee north of the border. They're going to think it's a war. By the way, let me give you a bit of history. 1990s, the Americans dig in. We're going to teach the Mexicans to be self-sufficient, work with the DEA and our U.S. military command out of Fort Benning. So they go to the uh, Mexican president at that time. They say, give us your best, your brightest, your Mexican Marines, your special forces, and we'll train them at Fort Benning, Georgia. And that's the best training in the world. There are foreign countries who send their elite troops to Fort Benning, Georgia, and they get great training. So they go back to Mexico ready to take on the narco-terrorists, you know, like Pablo Shorty Guzman, the Sonola cartel, the Gulf cartel. And they realize we could provide security for these guys. <laughs> They're going to pay us a lot of money. So they become the security. They become the Zetas. Then after a while, the Zetas say, we got better weapons. We know more about this. We'll become a cartel ourselves. So that very Gulf, Gulf cartel that kidnapped those four Americans, shot and killed two, injured the others, who sent the uh, apology letter and yeah, then yeah. put five, now ten of them out on a curb and say, <laughs> these are the guys, you can take them. They're at war with the Zetas. That's the very cartel that we created. Right, right. And we want to act like, you know, we're Punch's pilot, we're not responsible. We've tried this before. The president of Mexico is so overwhelmed, he's on the cusp of legalizing all drugs. All drugs, the mo- the worst drugs, because he can't crack down on it without the corruption overwhelming him. His generals are tainted, his National Guard is tainted, the federales are tainted. The guy's looking around and he's saying, and you're going to drop bombs on me? Right. What do you think that's going to do to my population? He basically wants the cartels to leave him alone. He doesn't want to... Take them on in a serious way. And he says, look, and and by the way, he also says, justifiably, the guns that are doing the killing, they also come from the United States. Yeah, they States. only have one gun shop in all of Mexico. Yeah. They're all American-made guns. So we're providing the dollars. We're providing the guns. And they've got most of the bodies on the streets but, there. But wait, don't you know, and Lindsey Graham's feeling, he goes, you know... When we bomb some of those labs, these Mexican peasants are going to come out. They're going to be so grateful. They're going to be throwing tamales at us and corn and all kinds of products. They're going to welcome the arrival of the United States military. Gee, how did that work remind out in Iraq? You, remind you of anything? Yeah, exactly. How did that work out? Weapon. And he referred to it as a weapon of mass destruction, fentanyl. And I said, really? How dare you use that? Look at what, what happened in but Iraq. This is, no, this is exact. But this is the thing with Lindsey Graham. If you want to, you can probably come up with a way for all of the world's problems to be solved by our military by just sending troops in there. To his credit, I mean, I don't say a lot of nice things about Donald Trump. His first instinct was no, no to no, troops. No, absolutely not. You know, and, and for all the criticism that there was of the, of the Biden withdrawal, that was a withdrawal from Afghanistan that had been negotiated with by Trump. He wanted no one left behind, not even a few people left behind. Lindsey Graham, and you're right, it was McCain and Lieberman, the three of them, and they tried, actually got Hillary in on that posse for a little while. Oh, Olivia, yeah. And they were, their answer to every problem is U.S. military involvement. And you would think, we had the doctrine of preemptive strikes by Bush 43, Cheney, the neocons, Rumsfeld, uh, all of them, right? That didn't work. Then all of a sudden, we're now renewing this. You know, and we're referring to it as a weapon of mass destruction. And the president of Mexico is saying, although obviously they're manufacturing fentanyl in their labs, you create the demand. It's like if all of a sudden we stopped sending you avocados, your country would invade us, right? (laughs) Oh, we got to have with our corona, right? We got to have the avocados. If we all of a sudden said no more avocados sending to America. Do you realize how many Americans would want to go to war to get avocados from Mexico? People, we, we, we do a recruitment at Chipotle. Exactly. Come on, we got to get real here. This this old Lindsey Graham mentality has got to go. Lob a few cruise missiles in there. I can see General Jack Kane will be, that's right. And then, of course, Gordon Chang, he'll say, does this have anything to do with Red China or North Korea? No, doesn't matter. <laughs> War, it's great for your portfolio. 
whenever these guys say, I represent an institute, always look at who funds the institute. Oh, General Dynamics. Oh, North, Northrop Grumman. Northrop Grumman. Oh, they're very generous to you guys. And if you were promoting peace, would they be as generous to you? Of course not. And they, they ought to be a little bit of a chiron on the bottom. Yeah, disclosure. Right. Who are all the military-industrial complex companies that are way, supporting it? Democrat and Republican. Doesn't matter absolute. what administration. But Lindsey Graham is the absolute worst to actually use. Fentanyl is a weapon of mass destruction. And which proves my point, Anthony, that politicians believe people are stupid. They won't remember what was said five seconds ago, five minutes ago, five hours ago, five days, five months, five years. Weapons of mass destruction. They won't remember that. Come on, let's lob a few cruise missiles and send the Marines into Veracruz. Gee, didn't we do that before? Yeah, that work out. Yeah, okay. Um, Mexico, the 51st. Wait, wait. remember the great <laughs> movie Canadian Bacon where John Candy invaded America. <laughs> Alan Alda needed yeah, a war. Right, to right. How about this one? Mexico churros. Mexico churros, right? These churros ladies who are selling churros on our street corners. It's, it's going to tear into the fabric of America. Oh, God. I hate Lindsey Graham. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Take a seat. Right over there. Sat on the stairs. Stay or leave. The cabinets are bare and I'm unaware of just how we got into this mess. Got so aggressive. I know we meant all good intentions. Finally, a decent song. The Middles, one of our theme songs. Finally, a decent song. But there is no middle, apparently, for your party in New York State, the Democratic Party. There's a Somos conference up in Albany, mostly Latinos, Latinas. What do they call that other term, the AOC term? Latinx. I'm not sure if you're supposed to use that one or not. I thought that was exclusive to the Nation of Islam. You know, Malcolm X, uh, Elijah Muhammad X, whatever. But so you have this real fissure in the Democratic Party. And uh, you have a chairman who did not deliver the last time around, lost the congressional seats that gave the Republicans the three-person edge, with George Santos being like a hemorrhoid every day to the Nassau County GOP and Peter King because they gave us that drag queen as number three. And now all of a sudden, Jacobs, who was actually anointed by Cuomo, so you would have thought Hochul maybe would have chosen her own person. She decided to stick with him. He's going after the uh, liberals, progressive, democratic socialists of America. And, Anthony, I'm, you know me, I do the analytics. I'm a street organizer. They're losing. They're losing to the DSA. I think the county that produced you, you uh, having been mentored by Chuck Schumer, in a day when Democrats, for the most part, were moderate, that the Kings County Democratic machine is going to fall to the DSA. They got the votes. They got the boots on the ground. They're organizing heavily. And what is it? What is Jacob saying? What is he saying in terms? So we got. So first of all, just to catch up our listeners, Jay Jacobs is the state Democratic chairman, and underneath him are all these county Democratic organizations. And not unlike the Republican organizations, they're relics of what they used to be. They are shadows of of tissue paper versions of what used to be pretty important clubs. It is true that in an opportunistic way, a lot of these reform things have now turned into socialist kind of left-leaning attacks on these institutions. But the real problem is that Jay Jacobs needs to come up with an explanation for not why the Republicans chose Santos as their nominee, but how we Democrats lost all these elections. Now, we could win them back, and he might make the argument that, you know, whatever. This was not Santos versus socialists. We had fairly moderate and centrist Democrats when he he's not doing a good job of explaining, well, how did we lose those people? Why did those races did we did we lose? There is this internal fight going on for the most part in primaries left versus moderate. The moderates are doing OK. The AOC candidates didn't do great around the state in the last primaries. But there's no doubt about it that 
the, the Democratic organizations throughout the country, but here in New York as well, are not what they used to be. They can't deliver votes. They, nothing they can, we've done so much to neuter them. They can't, they can't produce, they can't, um, give people jobs. They can't really do much. And now with the internet and with online organizing, I don't even know what county and, and, and state organizations mean anymore, but he has a lot of explaining to which he hasn't done, which is never mind the problems he has within his party. We did not lose the elections in the state, I don't believe, because of the lefties in our party. I think they turned out by and large. I think just we, the Republicans did a much better job of organizing and making crime a much bigger issue. I don't think that Hochul did a great job at the top of the ticket to give a good rationale. But it, it is surprising to me. I like Jay Jacobs. It's surprising to me he's held on to his job. But that's what this is all about, him justifying where he should stick around. Well, you know, it's amazing. If uh, I were AOC and her mini-me, Kaban, who is a city councilwoman in uh, Astoria, Hanifa, who's in your old district right. there in Park Slope. These are hardcore Democratic Socialists of America, all three of them. And I'm certainly going to battle uh, against them with Ronald Reagan, Republican clubs, which try to get moderate Democrats. That's a bigger hole for, for me than it is for moderate Democrats who already exist. I knew that the moderate Democrats had blinked when they spent millions and millions of dollars to try to recruit a handful of Republicans over to be rent direct Democrats. Join us. Help us fight AOC and the DSA. Well, you, you, you have, I mean, Ari Kagan is in the other, in the other camp, right? The, oh, the, that's survival. That's survival. Oh, it, I see what you're saying. But yeah, what I'm, I'm saying is they actually spent money to try to recruit Republicans to become one-time Democrats for the purposes oh, yes, yes. of fighting the DSA. How did that work out? Not good at all. And if I were the DSA, if I were AOC and her minions, I would say, we got them. They're running scared. They're trying to use Republicans as mercenaries, as Hessians. They can't recruit enough I Democrat know, but we moderates. Did, I mean, it's hard to find a bunch of races that the, the, the Democratic Socialists beat, beat, you know, won races against mainline Democrats. I think for the most part, New York Democrats are fairly centrist. Despite the way it looks to the world that we're this bright blue state, we're fairly centrist. We choose relatively centrist candidates in most parts of the city. Now, there's the park slopes of the world and Maybe in the area where you are with Astoria, Ronald Reagan, Astoria, Astoria, where I was this morning. I mean, there are some of those places. Let me places. tell you something. Imagine this was the the iconic symbol of liberalism and progressivism. You, Anthony Weiner, when you served in the House, when you thought of liberal progressives, you thought of you. Nowadays, you would say, you're a fuddy-duddy moderate Democrat. Yeah, yeah it's definitely changed. Wow. It's definitely Dramatic. Changed. Look, even Astoria... Even a story with Gianaris. Gianaris was not always no. this far left guy. He was a centrist, Peter Vallone kind of Democrat yes. when it began. Now you can argue he's doing. He did something that Joe Crowley maybe should have done, and saw the and and you know and, and and saw which way the wind was blowing. But I I think I think we are a centrist city, by and large, and that's good. Well, you're welcome to come over anytime to the Ronald Reagan Republican Club in Astoria. Our next meeting is on the 21st, and we'll soon be opening up a club. In your old neighborhood, Park Slope. Come on, you couldn't come to the grand opening. Can you imagine in the right next to Bill de Blasio on 11th Street and 7th Avenue? Should I invite Bill over in Charlene? Put Ronald Reagan's name over a storefront in Park Slope. See how long that lasts. Come on, come on, come on, Anthony. Come on over to to the right side, the right side. Anyway, it's Rob Astorino up next, and I'll join you tonight from 12 midnight. Will they take an hour away from me because of Mr. What do they call that? The sunshine guy? What is that? Uh, Mr. Anyway. Ha- Mr. Happy. Mr. Happy until 6 in the morning.